Scribes Journey is supported by our patrons. Join them today at patreon.com slash scribesjourney. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Scribes Journey, where stories begin. My name is Travis J. Crokin, the Calm Scribe, and I'm joined with my fellow scribes. I'm LJ Stanton, the Pedantic Scribe. And I am TR Alby, the Oddball Scribe. And how are you both doing on this fantabulous day of recording our podcast? I'm going to just give up and go with excellent because honestly, that just that feels right. It always feels right. It's always excellent when I get to hang out with you guys. Oh, seriously, I got all blushy and whatnot. Um, no, as I, you should, as I should. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. And I, I agree with, with LJ. She's always excellent. So that's how I'm, I'm just glad she's excellent. So there you go. Couldn't be with the better group. I am doing fantastic today. I am in a great mood and excited to talk about our topic because I love as silly as it sounds. I love author brand. I studied marketing way back when in another, in another life and continuity of brands, changing brands, all the stuff. There's so much that goes into it and creating an author brand is extremely important. Because as we mentioned, or as LJ mentioned at the end of our previous episode, when social media and anything that you're doing, your author brand is separate from who you are. So as we get into that, what is an author brand? I think you, you pointed it out pretty well. It is the separation of yourself from who you want to present yourself as. So consider just how authors that you are huge fans of, how different they might be in their home lives versus the presentation that they give when they go to conventions. Sometimes they might be very similar, sometimes they might be very dissimilar, but that gets to be the decision you make of how much of you do you want to be kind of on display at conventions or doing podcasts or however you wish to be seen as an author. I know for me, I thought it was important to have a separation between who I am and my author self, which is why I went by and go by a pen name to help have that little extra bit of separation. It's also a safety thing, especially when you are a woman, unfortunately, or if you are part of any kind of minority group. And if you write anything remotely controversial, it is really about safety, having your author brand now set up and separate and not crossing over with who you are as a person. But does an author brand also include, because when I think of branding, I think of like logos and whatnot, right? Yes. As part of your author brand, it's, it's also building out a logo and, you know, choosing things like fonts. I'm assuming that's also part of that as well. I have two fonts that I like to use all the time when it comes to my newsletter, my books, all of that. Like I use Allegrea for my, like the actual words in the books, in my newsletter, all of that. And then I use Sinzel for basically my website, for anything that's titled, that kind of stuff. I don't have a logo for myself, but my business has a logo. So I just use that. And that's a big thing. I have the Comscribe logo that I use. I also use my name in writing. Going to the idea of the separation, just as an example of that, it doesn't have to be anything nefarious. Protection is a very good reason to have separation of self and author. But for example, Stephen King, we all know him as a horror author and who he is. He's a very big name on the literary world. He is also a huge philanthropist. 
He supports so many causes and donates so much money to different things and has dollar baby stories that are short stories that he writes that he sells the entire rights to to film students for a dollar so they can create films and things like that based off of that. And he keeps it quiet and separate apart from who he is as an author. But the other thing when you're developing an author brand is not just having a logo and having a font like LJ was talking about. There's one saying that means two things, and that's a style sheet. There's the style sheet for your book, and that is the font that's being used, the way you're using words, the writing conventions that you're breaking. So your writing style sheet is one thing that goes and will alter from book to book. However, you also need your personal author brand style sheet. That is the logo you use, the colors you use, and their hexadecimal codes or whatever RGB code you want to use for it. It also goes into the fonts that you use for your logo, for the tagline underneath your logo, for your website. Think of any large name brand or company that you know of. They have a very well thought out logo. They have a well thought out brand, and it is all tied very strictly into a style sheet. There's a lot of things that, that go into building an author brand. One of those things that actually is also very important when you're keying into that style sheet is having a media kit. I see often that a lot of authors, um, a lot of new authors don't have a media kit and that is important. So then what is a media kit? You want somewhere on your website that has your author photo, which you should have a you know headshot or something that is a photo of you that you're happy with that can be plastered everywhere. It should have your bio, which you should have two of. You should have a 50-word bio and a 100-word bio because those are general standards for the biography. You can also have a really long one written out too, but don't expect that to be used in your media kit. And then you should also have any photography that you want used generally for people when they are advertising your book for you or trying to, have, you know, get ready for a podcast that they're interviewing you for. So if you want your book to be listed, you have your cover art shown with appropriate credits given. All of the things you want people in the media to know about you, including that style sheet, you have in your media kit page. Because that way, if you're doing an interview, the person who is interviewing you can just go to one little spot on your website and go, okay, cool, this is everything prepped for me. And then you don't have to prepare that again and again and again and again. And I'm assuming that also like includes your accolades, right? Yes. You know, any awards you won or the number of books you've written or something like that in that media kit, right? That all rounds out that branding when you have that. Exactly. That and what you're available for as well. If you're available for podcasts, for talk shows, for panels, for conventions, for whatever you're available exactly. for, put that on there because the emails or the messages that I get are, I was on your website and I saw that you're able to talk about X topic. Would you be willing to come on and be on a panel for us? And that's the thing is looking at my media kit. I have my author photo, the book cover of my first book, I have my long bio, my short bio, social media contact information, my company's logo, and interview information. You know, saying that I am happy to discuss such topics, but not limited to the writing process, being a disabled writer, world building, courses, of course, and immigration, and these kinds of issues. You can have it be a little farther reaching than just your writing. But you want to make sure you have all of this information up front as part of your, your media kit, your brand kit, so that anyone who is interested knows exactly what you are getting into. And that way it doesn't waste anyone's time. You know, no one is going to reach out to me and do the, oh, hey, I read a review that said you wrote a slow burn spicy book. Let's talk romance because I'm going to email them back and say I'm really not qualified to write and have an interview about this. Sorry for wasting your time. 
we talked about that elevator pitch in the previous episode. Would that also be something, you know, maybe a variation of that elevator pitch about the book and that would be included in the media package? Because you have, like you said, you have the book cover. If they're looking for a short description of what the book's about for them to say, well, it's a book about X, Y, and Z. Is I that- hesitate mm, to okay. do that, mostly because you don't want your author kit, your media kit to turn into an about the book. So right. I have my book information up mostly because it's my debut novel. Once I have more novels or more award-winning novels under my belt, I will likely remove the book itself and just leave it to a pure author kit and then have it end up being, you know, have other places on my website that will have listed all of the books and have a link from my media kit to those books so that people can go ahead and look at them there. That way, the focus really gets to stay on your author brand. That's a very important aspect to consider when you're doing this. And it's going to be evolving and changing. And remember, the author brand is creating the continuity and creating the recognition. And it needs to be well thought out. Don't just rush in and say, I like that font. Actually put thought into it. Talk to people if you need to. Put thought into it. This is something that you should be carrying with you for a long term. And if you do need to make a change to something, I mean, if it's the font for your tagline, that's not that big of a deal. But if it's something that's very become very recognizable, you need to go through a process in changing that slowly. And you have to consider too, like, what are you writing? Pen names are an excellent choice for building brands. You can use your name and that's completely okay. And oftentimes, I think that it's really exciting to see your name on a book. But consider if you write in multiple genres, that maybe you want to have a different pen name for each genre because you're going to develop a different audience. You know, consider Stephen King. He writes horror, right? Well, he also writes romance novels. But you won't find romance novels under the Stephen King name because if you are a romance reader and you don't like scary things and you see Stephen King romance novel, you're probably not going to pick it up because you're looking at that going, oh, God. I don't want to be traumatized, thank you very much. I'm not going to buy that. But under a different pen name, he can build up a new author brand and find a new following. So that's something to keep in mind. Like if you're writing two very different genres, then it might be worthwhile developing two separate author brands, keeping them kind of, you know, sterile away from each other so that they're not cross-contaminating. Because sometimes you're going to find an audience that loves both romance and horror, but you're more likely to have a polluted brand if you don't make some space between the two. If you are writing in different genres, if you are doing science fiction and you're doing children's books or you're writing horror and you're writing romance, there is a concept of developing two very different author brands. You want to make sure that they are separate. They're not recognizable to each other. At some point down the road, it can be up to you whether or not you want to merge the two or let people know who you are under what pen name as you go along. But the key thing is, is having a targeted brand for what you're doing and what you're working on. Now, that doesn't mean if you're doing science fiction, fantasy, and horror that you need a different brand for each one. Generally, in my opinion, if you're going to an extreme, as LJ so eloquently pointed out, if you're Stephen King writing horror and then writing romance, those are going to be two varied topics that don't usually cross over that well. So if you're writing all of a sudden a cozy mystery and you write slasher horror, you're going to want to use two different author brands for those. There are some that do cross over very well. So if you're writing sci-fi, you might still keep the same pen name for writing fantasy, especially given that there's a lot of sci-fantasy and whatnot 
and even horror. If you write horror and sci-fi or horror and fantasy, you could probably still keep the same pen name or the same author brand as long as you're kind of keeping the same tone. Is that tone is always the same, you know? Ted brought up, like, or I believe it was Ted, brought up Neil Gaiman and the fact that he writes arguably many different kinds of books. But you know what you're getting into when you pick up one of his. They're going to be a little bit zany. There's going to be a dark sense of humor. And there's probably something really, like, horribly traumatizing underpinning all of it. Regardless of whether it's a kid's book or an adult fantasy novel, this is what you're going to get. And you know that because there's a consistency to his author brand. That is what you're looking for, is keeping that consistency. Whether you're self-published or whether you're in traditional publishing, that consistency is extremely important to your audience. Think about the books that you pick up. I know that if I have an expectation of a certain thing from a certain author, and that's what I really feel like, and I've picked up a new book, and I'm reading it, and it's now something totally different, there's a really sour taste in your mouth from that. It kind of feels like a bit of a betrayal. And how likely are you to go and pick up that author again when you don't know what you're getting into? So it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah. So you can have a blend. And I love the, how you put it, LJ, that it's the tone, it's the kind of theme that's going to be going through for that you're looking at. And a tone of a romance can be very different from a tone of a horror that you're going through. But the main part of building an author brand is recognition, continuity, and comfort. Because as LJ said, when you break the promise that you've created for your readers, it's upsetting. You may not notice it, but it is upsetting for the reader. And that's something that you need to take into account is what is your audience going to do and how are they going to react in things that you're doing. So we've discussed what is an author brand and how to develop it and the thought process that you need to go into and the fact that you do really need to consider how to develop your author brand. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss the details of how to promote your brand once it's been developed. We'll be back after this. So welcome back to Describe Journey. Today, we're discussing building your author brand. In the first half, we discussed how to build an author brand and what it is. And now we're going to discuss where to promote your brand now that you've got it polished and perfected. The answer is everywhere. Good answer. Everywhere you want to be an author, you promote your author brand. Because part of that brand is your behavior and your look. As much as we don't necessarily like to think about that, it is definitely part of it. No, you're right. There was a one point in time someone was watching me on Twitch and were like, I am having a moment because you're not wearing your hat. I was like, ooh, she's, I'm triggering her. And that's part of who I kind of represent myself as part of my brand is I'm this bald guy with this Irish cap. So we talked about the other aspects of it, but when you're presenting yourself, like if you're going to a convention, maybe there's always a way that you want to be seen. And maybe you have a certain style you want to wear that someone will associate with you while you're out and about, or whether or not you post on social media. But that becomes part of your brand that you're building. The visual representation, that's something that is very important. And again, talking about changes, being careful of big changes. I have a procedure coming up and I've had people ask me, am I going to cut my hair off, shave my hair, shave my beard, whatever to prepare for the procedure? And I verified with the doctors that I don't need to, and I'm not. I'm trimming everything. So it's out of the way, but I'm going to maintain because this is my look. This is my style. If I were to show up on stream without a beard, 
it would be the same moment that Ted had with his hat being off or all of a sudden with a buzz cut. The focus is being taken off of what I'm doing and it's now focused on how I look. And that's not what I want. If I'm on a panel talking about something important, I don't want people in the audience going, didn't he used to have a beard? Wasn't his hair down to his shoulders before? What is it like? When did he cut that? When did he? They're not paying attention to what I'm doing. So honestly, just even asking if that's the right person, depending on how dramatic your change is, you know, if it's been a decade and a couple of different hairstyles and all of that, you might very well have people looking at you and going, is that actually the author that I think it is? Or did they have like a last minute switch out that I wasn't aware of that isn't in the convention program yet? Like, wait, what happened? You want to keep that consistency. And it also can help you kind of get into that professional mode. You know, when you go to work, you behave differently than you do with your friends. And part of that can sometimes be just the fact that you have to dress in a different way when you go to your job versus when you go and you hang out with your friends. So that is an important thing to consider. There are several people that I know from various work conventions that if they didn't dress in kind of the esoteric way that they choose to at the conventions, I probably wouldn't recognize them on the street, which can be extremely important to help separate your brand from you and prevent issues with parasocial relationships. So you just don't want that shock factor. You want to have that dress be something, you know, your attire be something you're comfortable with. I know for me, I don't tend to wear a lot of makeup or anything like that in my everyday life, but I put on makeup when I'm doing anything author related because it's helping me to put my face on. This is who I am when I am LJ Stanton instead of my regular persona. It's not that different, but it's just that little bit of extra time to get into this new skin that's important. It's like working with a new character. Yeah. And that's the thing. If I'm writing, I'm wearing something comfortable like I'm wearing right now, which is a hoodie and a t-shirt. If I'm doing the business side of my job, I'm wearing a dress shirt. I might be wearing jogging pants or something below, but I'm wearing a dress shirt. I feel more professional. So it really is having a brand, having something that's recognizable is a lot more important than you might realize. But if you have an author brand that you have a whole separate persona, let's say, because there are authors who, who do that and there are you know, actors and actresses that do that, or there are musicians that do that. The one that comes to mind is the woman that wears the chandelier on her head, and I don't know her name, but... Sia. Okay, yeah, her. But if you have such a drastic persona for your branding, when is it appropriate to kind of... Because you can sometimes get lost in it. When is it appropriate to be the brand you and being yourself? Is there... What you're comfortable with. Okay. It is, but there is something that you have to remember. Unless you're wearing a chandelier over your head and you're, or, you know, Daft Punk and you've got helmets over your head and you're completely unrecognizable, remember, you always are your brand. If you're out and about and someone sees you and you're recognizable as an author, they are not going to differentiate, oh, this is the column scribe as himself versus the column scribe as an author. There is going to always be a bit of a difference. That's why you're creating the brand, you're creating the separation, but you're always representing. It's like if you work in politics, they don't want you taking your shirt off and dancing on a table in a bar because that's going to be connected back to who you are as the person at work. But that still is impinging upon their brand and starts to pull their brand down, even though there is that separation. You know, Travis, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about LJ's brand because you have your service dog that's always with you. And when you do conventions, that means that your dog would be part of your brand. Absolutely. And it, and it might be end up being, and it would be very strange to see you at a convention without your dog. That would. Be- I am invisible without him. People do not recognize me. 
And it is the funniest thing because yeah, you'll, I'll start talking to somebody if like my husband has taken him to do like a potty break or something like that. And I start talking to somebody, you can see that they don't recognize me until my husband comes back with the dog and they realize, oh, it's you, which also is kind of one of those like good points about the fact that like, if you get known for always having a really fancy hat on that helps separate your author brand because people will not recognize you without your hat. So I just take off my hat and no one will know who I am or or give people existential crises that I I don't have a hat on. It'd be perfect. Even better. It's like Superman and Clark Kent. That's right. Exactly. He doesn't have glasses on and suddenly he's Superman. It's it's amazing. But that's the thing is your author brand and separating yourself is, and it also gives you a bit of breathing room, right? And that's the thing too, where we see, you know, children performers that are performing for kids and then they go and they have a smoke break and have a cigarette. And it's like, well, you're not going to have this children performer smoking in front of children. And that's where they've got that separation of who they are in real life and their life. And that also gives you a safe space to recoil back into at the end of the day, at the end of a conference, at the end of a book signing, at the end of whatever. You know, you take off your dress shirt, your tie, whatever you're wearing, your fancy hat, and then you also take off your persona. And we all have different personas that we put on at different times and different masks that we wear. And that's what this author brand kind of is, is the mask that you're wearing to represent how you want to be. And, you know, if you're writing horror, you might want to wear like dark clothes and be a little bit more edgy. And then in daily life, you just want to be able to relax and watch cartoons all day. That's just it. So it's an important thing to develop. Even if you think that your author brand is your personal brand, I would definitely, you know, reconsider that and have that little extra separation because I feel like you should always plan as if you were going to be the most successful possible person along your plan. And as if you're going to wake up the next day and have sold a million books or something like that, because sometimes it happens. I love that you said that. Always be building for fame and stardom down the road. It's always around the next corner and you never know when that corner is actually going to turn for you. So in kind of a synopsis, an author brand is going to be a large ensemble of things that you need to take into account. It's how you present yourself personally. It's how you present yourself as an author. It's how you dress. It's how you look. It's your logo. It's your website, your social media, your colors, your fonts, everything that you do. There is a lot that goes into it. So it is who you are as an author and It is how you're presenting yourself to the world, creating that continuity, that brand recognition. Because little known fact, if your books get into a bookstore or a library, they're not always going to be front facing with your cover and all that stuff. So if you've got a recognizable font for your name and for your titles, and you've got a logo or something that people can recognize or a symbol that people can recognize on the spine, they're going to find your books amongst the myriad of other books that are on that shelf. That's a really good point to actually having that font choice is that it makes you recognizable. And it also then makes your books recognizable and it matches them beautifully because who doesn't want to have that kind of like drool worthy series set of everything just matches perfectly. And not the reboxed one that's been made 20 years down the road. Do it now. Build yourself as a professional author now. It's like the old saying of dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. So go out and dress like Batman. Exactly. Unless you like Robin, then dress like yeah. Robin. I mean, I'd go out dressed like Sauron, so, you know. There you go. I've got a lot to work on for that armor set, though. Yeah, I'd probably go as Spawn. I love Spawn. So with all of that being said, thank you very much for joining us on the Season 2 of Scribe's Journey. It's been a fantastic trip going through the journey of start to finish from conception to building your author brand. 
it's always a very exciting to be able to have these conversations. And we're always looking at ways of expanding what we're doing. So if there's anything you would like to see, any topics you would like to have covered, let us know. And if you have any feedback on any of the topics that we've discussed, we want to hear from you as well. As always, you can follow us on social media at The Scribes Journey on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. With that, from all three of us, thank you for joining us for this episode, for this season. It's been fantastic. Now, go sharpen your quill and get back to writing. This episode of Scribe's Journey has been presented by Wax Seal Productions Incorporated and remixed by T.R. Elder.